Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Let me open up my topic with a story. There was a church in significant need of repair. A lot of the building was wearing and crumbling. and So the pastor of this little country church, as he stood up to give a sermon, he made an impassioned plea for the body, the church body, to give generously. And he just happened to have in his congregation the wealthiest man in town. And so he really directed his focus and his attention preaching to the man with the deep pockets. And the end of his sermon, this gentleman stood up, moved by what the preacher had said. He stood up and said, Preacher, I just want to go on record. I'm going to, I'm going to pledge $1,000 to the fix-up of this building. Just about the time he set back down, a piece of plaster on the ceiling fell and it landed right on the man's shoulder, broke across his shoulder, and he promptly stood back up and said, Pastor, I'm going to increase that thousand to five thousand. Just as he was about to sit down, before he even took his chair, another piece fell and this time it landed right on his head. And he shouted out, Pastor, scratch that last statement. I'm going to increase that five to 20,000. And immediately one of the deacons in the church shouted out, Hit him again, Lord. Hit him again. <laughs> I want to talk to you about giving today. I want to talk to you about giving. Not giving because of fear. Uh, Not giving because of compulsion, but giving because of willingness and cheerfully. Let me begin by just identifying some reasons that believers, many don't give or don't give much. One is, I'm going to just kind of give these to you in just kind of three statements that kind of define a category. One is out of fear. The lack of giving out of fear. And here's what fear says. I have none to spare. I have none to spare. And with that thought in mind, just remember that God is the one who gave you life yesterday and who is sustaining your life today and who, for followers of Christ, promises to give you abundant eternal life forever. And so when you give to God, here's what you're doing. You're thanking Him for all the yesterdays and you are depending upon Him for today and you are trusting Him for tomorrow. What better way to plan for the future than to give to the God who holds the future who determines the future, who accomplishes the future, who in fact is the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. 
Here's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Steward is someone that has been giving something or entrusted with some responsibility. And he's, Paul is here referring to God and his gifts. And he's talking to followers of Christ and he is saying that when God gives to us that we need to be found faithful stewarding that which he has given. Here is wisdom's answer to the statement, I have none to spare. Here's the answer from God's book of wisdom and it is this, you have none, period. It's all God's. You have none, period. It's all God's. Here's the second reason, hurdle or reason people do not give. It's greed. And here's what greed says. I want all that I have. I want all that I have. Why? That's a legitimate question. Why? And I ask that for this reason. When has the stuff and when has the toys and when has the goods ever produced true satisfaction? You see, the one with the attitude that grasps and says, I want all I have, needs to realize that all that he has, has him. Here is wisdom's answer to I want all I have. Wisdom's answer is this. Isn't it better to want all God has for you than all that you can get for yourself? Third reason is a wrong view of God. Here's what this wrong view of God says. How much does God need? How much does God need? If we give to God thinking that we are helping God out of a jam, we are completely confused. God doesn't need. Better question is, How much does God want? And here's wisdom's answer to that question. How much does God want? All of you. All of you. And when God has that, the giving will come generously. Some hurdles or reasons why people do not give. All of them have a common denominator and it is trust. It's trust. You see, Trust related to your giving. Your giving is a meter that identifies your trust in God or your lack of it. Proverbs 11.24 One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. And another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. What this verse does here is it gives us a brief picture of two contrasting uh, types of people. One is a man who is a giving man and the other is a man who is a greedy man. And the sharp contrast is given 
to identify a principle for life, a principle for life that's found in many places, said in a variety of ways in Scripture, but the principle is this. Giving brings increase. Greed brings decrease. Giving brings increase. Greed brings decrease. Proverbs 11.25, the very next verse, says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. See, what God wants, what God tells us in his word that he wants of his people is for his people to be generous people, to be giving people. God's goal for our lives is that we would become more and more like him, that we would become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. So if that's true, if that's the work that God is doing in us, He's wanting to fashion us into the likeness of His Son, then one of the very first characteristics of life that we need to develop is a a life of giving because God is the greatest giver. He gave the greatest gift. And His Son, Jesus, gave all of Himself. He is, like His Father, the greatest giver. So if we are going to become like Christ, we're going to need to become givers. There are at least three types of givers, I think, in Christendom. I'm just going to give them to you in three short little statements. One is a little giver, and here's what the little giver says, I ought to. And the little giver gives out of obligation. And then there's a legal giver. The legal giver says, I have to. He gives because of law. And then there's a liberal giver, and the liberal giver says, I want to. He gives because of grace, because he recognizes the lavished grace of God that has continually poured into his or her life. So, how is it that we should give back to God. That's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning. And I want to look into the, the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs briefly. We looked in Proverbs last week as I talked to you about the topic of sexuality. And so I'm looking in Proverbs again primarily this week as we talk about uh, the topic of giving. And the main text for My message this morning, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Keep your finger there. We're going to spend a little time there. We'll jump around some, but primarily we're going to be in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Let me just read that passage for you. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be printed up here on the screen. Here's words of wisdom from the Word of God. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. First word that I want to draw your attention to is the first word the word honor. Honoring the Lord with our giving has far more to do with why we give than how much we give and what we give. It's really centered on why we give. 
And what we need to do to understand this is we need to back up a couple of verses. Because this text, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, has a very critical context or pretext. A few verses before this, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, is the pretext, the setup to Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Let me read you Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. So the first statement here is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So here's the setup. Here's the pretext to the text. First, we trust God. And second, we trust God with our finances. First, we trust God, trust the Lord with all of your heart. And then four verses later, then we trust God with the giving that God has placed into our lap as we honor Him with the first fruits of all of our increase or all of our produce. So the issue here is about trusting God. So really, what I'm talking to you about this morning is your trust of God and the venue through which I'm talking about trust is the area of your finances. You see, here's what trust does. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart really is a defining life statement. And to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, here is where we establish who is in charge of our life. Are we going to trust in the Lord? Are we going to make Him our Lord? Are we going to live like He is our Lord? That He is in charge and we are not. And then, secondly, here is where we come to the conclusion that we don't have it all figured out and that God does. Because the next statement is, and in all your ways, uh, and lean not on your own understanding. You trust in the Lord with all your heart and you lean not on your own understanding. You recognize that you don't have it all figured out, that you truly do need the Lord because He is the only one that's trustworthy. You can't even trust yourself because ultimately you're not in charge of what happens. You're not dictating the events of this earth, of this world, and of your life. So what you need to do is you need to learn to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Quit leaning on your own understanding. That's the context, the pretext to the text about finances. You see, self-reliance and surrender are never companions. Self-reliance, you depending upon yourself, and surrender to the Lord, they're never companions. They're mutually exclusive terms. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Determine who's in charge. He's the Lord, not you. And lean not on your own understanding. Realize that you don't have it all figured out. You ultimately can't change anything. Of consequence, you need the Lord and His help so you trust Him. 
That's the pretext to the text of Romans chapter 3, 9, and 10. So let me, with that pretext in view, with that context clear, let's now read again Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 and look a little closer at it. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Here what God does here is that He gives a command, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your produce, and then He follows it with a principle. Then your barns will be overflowing. See, He wants to use the principle to encourage you to take the plunge into the pool of giving. And so what he says here is that God gives when we give. God actually in His Word, we'll look at this in a little bit later, but He actually tells us to put Him to the test with our finances with our giving. It's the only thing that we're allowed to put God to the test in. So here's a legitimate question. If there's only one thing in the Word of God where He allows us to test Him, why would it be finances? And I I think I have at least two reasons for that. One, because it's one of the hardest areas for us. It's one of the hardest areas for us. What God wants is that He wants all of us. He doesn't want anything competing with Him. And what He knows is that this area of wealth and of possessions, of finances, is an area that is so difficult for the human heart. And so He sets up this principle in His Word and says, test me in this for this purpose, so that when you test Him in that and you give, and He shows Himself to be a faithful God that supplies your needs and gives back to you, then what happens is you know that God can be tested in that hard area, then I can test Him or I can trust Him in the other areas of life as well. I believe that's one of the reasons why He gave us the right to test Him with finances. Because if we can see through giving and God responding that He is a trustworthy, faithful God that is involved in our life, then we're going to be more apt to trust Him in the other areas of our life. So it's one of the hardest areas. Secondly, it's one of the deepest areas. It's one of the deepest areas. Jesus said it like this, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You see, God wants to know what you treasure. Are you treasuring material things or are you treasuring eternal things? If you treasure material things, I won't go to the verses right now, but Scripture says that if you are looking at those things and trying to store up wealth in the material realm, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, you are playing a losing game. Now, I'm not advocating that we don't plan uh, for the future financially. 
We don't put aside money. I'm not advocating that. I'm saying, where's your trust? Is your trust in your portfolio? Or is your trust in your Lord? So how do we honor the Lord with our finances? The verse again is, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your produce. How do we do that? Well, let me just draw out a few words or phrases from this verse that I think are critical, that identify some key truths or principles. And the first word is Lord. The way that we honor God with our finances is, first and foremost, we understand that He's the Lord. Here's what that means. This points to ownership. This points to ownership. And the point is this, it is all His, right? It is all His. It's not yours. It's not mine. It is all God's. Psalms 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. How much does that cover? Everything on this planet, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness, everything in it. And not only the earth and everything in it, but all those who dwell on it. It's all God's. So one of the very key principles to us learning to honor the Lord with our finances is this issue of lordship. We have to understand that God is the owner of it all. You're not the owner of what you have. God is the owner. You are simply acting as a steward. The money that you have is not simply someone else's money. The money that you have is God's money. What are you going to do with His money? That's really the issue. Honor the Lord with your wealth. This is an issue of ownership, and it's the Lord that owns it. The second word is your. Honor the Lord with your wealth. You see, this is a secondary and complement to the word Lord and a complement to ownership, and the idea here is stewardship. It is true that God has entrusted with to you some of His stuff. God has entrusted to you some of His stuff, some of His resources, some of His finances, some of His possessions, because it's all His. And so what God wants you to do is honor Him with that. He wants you to use what He has given to you in such a way that He is glorified through that, that He is honored through that. And so how does that happen? Does that happen as you grasp it and hoard it and use it on self? Or does that happen as you give it and bless others with it and be a picture of the giving God with it? I think it's the latter. You say, wait a minute, Brad, I earned that. I worked hard for that. I worked harder than the next guy. That's why I got more than the next guy. Okay, well, let's 
follow that train of thought for a minute. Who gave you every breath that you used to breathe so you could do what you did to earn the money? And who gave you all the strength that you have in order for you to perform the duties that you performed to earn that money? And who set up every opportunity for you so that you could walk in to that position or that earning capability? who gives you a new day every day and rest every night. The point is, it's all God. It's all God. And so what God wants you to do with His money is use it in the way that He wants you to use it so that He is glorified. It's not that God cares about money. He cares about you. And he cares about the people around you. And he cares about the witness and the example and the testimony that your life gives out in everything that you do. What you say, how you act, and one of the ways that you act is how you spend and how you use the resources that he has put into your hands. So the word Lord points to ownership, it's all His. The word your points to stewardship. He's given you a trust, a charge. And then the third phrase is this phrase, with the first fruits of all. The first fruits of all your produce. This answers the question of when you should give. And here's when you should give to the Lord first. First. You should give to the Lord first. And it also answers the question of what portion, from what portion should you give? And the answer is this, all of your produce. So the point is this. This phrase is teaching us that we are to give to the Lord the first of the fruits of our increase. We are to give to the Lord the very first out of the increase. You see, fruit is increase. Produce is increase. You got the apple tree, and then a bud comes out on the apple tree, and it becomes an apple, and that is fruit. That is increase on the tree. So the point is, when we have an increase, we're to give of all of our increase First of all, to the Lord. That's the principle. How do we honor the Lord with our wealth? By doing that. That's how we honor the Lord with our wealth. If we do that out of a cheerful heart, recognizing He's the owner, we're just the steward, and so everything that comes in as an increase, we give out of that increase, first and foremost, to the Lord. Saying by doing that, God, I know it's yours. It's not mine. I'm just lining up with the reality of the universe. You own it all. Thank you for choosing to give some of it to me. I'm showing my thankfulness and my recognition that you're the ultimate owner by properly stewarding what you have given me. And the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to give some of it back to you. The New Testament agrees with this principle from Proverbs, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, 
Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. In other words, as the income comes in, the increase comes in, we take a portion of that, we set it aside, and then when there's opportunity to give it, when the saints gather together, it's given. When Paul said, when I come, it'll just be ready for you to give. So first day of every week as you may prosper. Same principle, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It's how we honor the Lord with our wealth. You see, that is a comprehensive statement. Let me show you both sides of it. The comprehensive statement is, first of all, it deals with all that you have, your wealth, things that you've accumulated, your portfolio, whatever it is that you've amassed. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. That's all that you have. And also, all that you get, the first fruits of all your produce. All that you have and all that you get, all that comes in an increase, honor the Lord with both of those. Comprehensive statement. So let me, having given that overall principle of giving, and there's a lot of other things that the Word of God says about giving. I'm just giving you a brief overview this morning. But let me end it with a statement about what giving accomplishes. God wants us to know what giving accomplishes. Why should we give Why does it matter? What does it do? First of all, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus, the great giver, said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why is that true? What are the blessings associated with giving? First of all, and I would say first and foremost, number one, giving glorifies God. Giving glorifies God. Giving glorifies God because when done with the right heart, again, it's a recognition that it's all God's. It's not mine. It's all God's. I'm just a steward. And my giving is an act of worship, recognizing His Lordship. I give as an act of worship. Therefore, giving glorifies God. That's ultimately the purpose of our lives, to bring glory to God. Ultimately, the purpose of all creation is to bring glory to God. Secondly, giving, another benefit to giving, giving weakens your flesh. Giving weakens your flesh. There is a beast alive and well in our country, roaming prolifically around a beast with talons that is seeking to get his talons deeper and deeper into the very core of our being, into our minds and into our hearts. And that beast is materialism. And what giving does 
what giving does is it pries the talons of the beast off of our heart, off of our mind. Giving is this incredible antidote to materialism. It's a powerful antidote to materialism. When you give, it is like breaking the power of that beast that is so prevalent in our country. That it comes at us, attacks us continually everywhere that we look. Giving is a way to pry that grip off of our heart. It's the antidote to materialism. Each time that you give, I believe, is a step of victory. Number three, giving not only glorifies God and weakens, but by the way, let me just say this about weakens your flesh. I love this illustration. Just a picture, picture that in your life, if you're a believer in your life, there are two dogs at bay, two dogs at war. And let's say for the sake of the illustration, those two dogs are identical in size identical in age, same breed, same strength. And one of those dogs is your sinful nature, your flesh, and the other is your spiritual nature. And they are at battle wanting supremacy in our lives. So here's the question. In the day-to-day battle, which one of those dogs is going to win. Giving the circumstances that they are same size, same strength, same age, same breed, same training, which one of those dogs is going to win? And here's the answer I submit to you. It's the one that you feed. It's the one that you feed. And what will happen over time, the one that you feed will get stronger and the one that you deny will get weaker. And what giving does is it feeds your spiritual life and it denies your fleshly nature so that your spiritual life can get stronger and your fleshly nature can be continually put to death in a greater and a greater way. See, giving weakens your flesh. But here's what else it does. It strengthens your faith. Giving strengthens your faith. Malachi 3.10. Here's the verse where God tells us to test him. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. God turns, or giving turns, the focus on God so that you can get a better view of God's greatness. Here's what happens. Giving provides a scenario into which God can show you by his response that he's alive and well and involved in your life. We give and God responds to that and meets our needs and returns 
in abundance and we realize that God is alive and that He's well and that He's faithful to His promises, to the principles that He has communicated in His Word. And when that happens, what happens is our faith grows. Oh, God showed up. God did what He said that He would do here. And now my faith in Him, my confidence and trust in Him is strengthened. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say to you, we can't take this verse and say, preach a gospel of prosperity, healthy and wealthy and wise, that every believer is going to be healthy and wealthy and wise. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm talking to you about a principle. Not a promise. There's a difference between a principle and a promise. Promise is true every time. Principles are the general governing principles, general governing rules of God's universe, biblical principles. There are many godly people who have lost everything, but the principle in wholesale fashion holds true. You give and God gives back to you. And he says, test me in that. And see if I don't prove faithful so that your faith grows. Number four, giving protects your assets. You ever thought of that? That sounds a little counterintuitive, doesn't it? You give your assets, how's that protecting them? Well, here's how it works. When you give of your abundance to the Lord... What you're saying is, God, it's yours. I know it's yours. It's not mine. It's yours. You're not putting, it, you're not putting any material possession there in a competing relationship with God. Because if material things begin to compete with the place that God should have in your life, guess what God's probably going to do? He's probably going to take them away because he doesn't want something there to compete with the place that he should have. And so, when we give, it's a statement by action that we recognize that it's all God's, and God knows how to take care of God's stuff. God knows how to take care of God's stuff. That's why giving protects your assets. Number Five, giving promises great returns. Luke 6, 38, given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap or with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's a pretty profound statement at the end of that verse. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God, again, principle here, principle. God is saying, give and see if he's not a God that outgives. And that comes in ways many times we don't even see, but with relationship and quality of relationship and inner peace and opportunities for service and, yes, also your needs met. It's really a principle of reaping and sowing. That's the principle. 
It's a principle that God has established. But here's what God will not do. He will not do your sowing for you. He wants you to sow, and he says if you do, in accordance with the measure of your sowing will be your reaping. It's a principle. And then finally, giving grows God's kingdom. Giving grows God's kingdom. Many times we cannot see this transaction happen. That's why it's not at the forefront of our mind. We can't see exactly how it takes place. We can't see that the funds that we give are used to establish or enable a program to continue or a ministry to be carried out that goes and touches a life and transforms that life and builds up a believer or is used by God to call a person to salvation so that there is a brand new eternal existence. So there's an eternal benefit from that. We can't always see that physically, that transaction that takes place. But if we could... Man, if we could see clearly how when we give, how the eternal is built, man, how, what an encouragement that would be. We have to take that through faith. What an encouragement that would be that I can take something that I can never hold on to, that I ultimately can never keep, where moth and rust is going to destroy and thieves are going to break in and steal, and I can use that for some eternal treasures. I can use that for some eternal significance in the building up of an immortal life created in the image of God. How worth it that is. Would you please stand? I just want to close us with a just a word of prayer here over the truth. I know uh, giving is not you know, it's kind of shot on as a, a tough subject uh, to preach on. And it, if you've been to the church here for years, several years, probably the first time you've heard me preach on it in four or five years. But it's something that we need to be faithful to. It impacts our spiritual life and condition of our heart. So we need to be giving people. God's a giving God. Let's pray. Father, God, I just I commit to you now the, the truth of your word that I've tried to share faithfully. Said something that I shouldn't have said, Lord. Would you just remove it from memory? But Lord, the truth that you wanted shared, I pray that it would go in and impact hearts and change lives. Bring people into the blessing that are not currently into the blessing of giving, discovering you to be a God who is far more generous than we are. To find the joy in giving for the growth of the kingdom. Commit that to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.